Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the 30th piece of trash. And I am Tony Braxton. <laughs> Welcome to episode 237, WWF Monday Night Raw. The Raw after Rumble. That's right. What could happen? Something. We're watching it. <laughs> Matt, does his, Matt does the homework, so... Hopefully this isn't like the return of Doink, and that's why we're watching it. Hopefully oh, something goes down. Shit, you figured it out. Fuck, damn. At least be the right Doink. Matt Bourne's a wild card, He's brother. again. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the 194th episode of Raw, produced by WWF. It would take place on January 20th, 1997, at the Montaigne Center in Beaumont, Texas, with an attendance of 4,000 834 people. It's a good raw. Right? I mean, kind of shows you that those 60,000 people, some of them just didn't give a shit. Yeah, I feel like this might have been a little bit of a... I mean, Beaumont and San Antonio are... They're not too far away, so some of those people you would think would have done the double feature thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, going to two wrestling shows in two days is a lot. It is. It's a lot. Now it's expected. Going to two concerts in two days, which is probably shorter than going to two wrestling shows, is still a lot. Shit. And uh, if you go to a concert, you're only like, well, I really like this band. A wrestling show, you're like, not all shows are created equal. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) Most people don't just go to a random (laughs) concert not knowing what to expect. But we are in Beaumont, Texas. Yeah, we are. So Shane, did you do what you do? I think I might have. Yes, here we are. Beaumont, Texas. I was wondering where that was located at. Is that like near Houston? Yeah, I think it's, I think. I think it's East Texas. Okay. So I assume it's close to... Like I, they, I know they said it was like a... Uni- it sounds like it was a basketball it's university. Where, it's where Lamar is. Or ba- a university, yeah. So it's like the Lamar basketball arena, I think. Basically, because, I mean, they say that they're at the... I heard I heard them talk about them being at a university. Yeah, Beaumont's Stadium. just east of Houston. Okay. Yeah, and Houston Mike, is east of <laughs> Lamar San basketball. Antonio. That does nothing for me because that just draws an even bigger blank. I mean, same. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but I just know that they said that they were at the beautiful university, you know, auditorium. Not at time. We're looking four hours east of San Antonio. Okay. So it's a it's a day trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. On a Monday though. It's like Dallas to us. I mean, shit. Like, 4,800 people is not too far away from uh, some WCW pay-per-views we watched, where yeah, they draw 6,000 people. So, it's not not bad for a minute. And if we're at a university something, where are those freebie tickets for your students to... Well, maybe that's where they all... Maybe that's your 4,894 attendance right there. It's yeah. just Maybe 800 campus. of them, yeah. yeah. Yes. Got off track here, but we are in Beaumont, Texas... And with us being in uh, San Antonio last week, I figured we had food. It's time to have a beverage. I looked around to see what the official cocktails were for Texas. We've had one already. It was the Paloma, and it was delicious. Um, It actually turned me on to 
a whole world of tequila drinks that I didn't know I liked because I thought I hated tequila. Have you had one of those smoky palomas? Tastes like a campfire? No, but that sounds good. It's made with like a smoky like mezcal or whatever. But it's like, you know, it's drop a yeah, jalapeno it's, inside. Yeah, it's uh it's good. And before every time you order one though, someone's like, It's gonna be smoky, is that okay? And I'm like, It's fine. I know what it is. It says it on the menu. Just give me the drink. And some of them are a little maybe too smoky, but not enough to not be able to put it down. It's filled with grapefruit and tequila. But this is not. No. When looking up the official drinks of Texas or cocktails of Texas, the Paloma popped back up there. Margaritas popped up on there. Texas tea showed up on there. But... The drink that seems to be growing in popularity over the last couple of years... Popping off. You can buy it in a can at the store. See? It's just becoming the new hot shit. We have ranch water. If you've never had ranch water before, it's a simple three-ingredient drink. It is... I used Patron Silver, a little bit of lime juice, and then you top it off with some Topo Chico sparkling mineral water. Yeah. You get a, a little smoothness from the tequila you get a little tartness from the lime some bubbles from the water and it's not too sweet i know you uh-huh. used some sweetened lime juice but yeah. you can just use a fresh fresh lime and uh i As will you called it a, a margarita light or yeah mar- margarita light also it's skinny marg yeah it, it's one of those things where it's like you can drink like six of these and not feel too bad the next day because the lack of sugar content not saying that you should uh you know binge drink but if you need a, hey, it's your if you, life. If you need a trick, if you got something to do on Sunday morning, but there's a party on Saturday night, maybe you know, maybe make yourself uh, a ranch water and make sure to check if you buy the ones in like a can or whatever that it's actually made with tequila. Because a lot of those like canned seltzers and stuff just use like grain alcohol that'll just ruin you. Ew, good to know. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't bought the ranch water in a, a can before, so I don't know what they use. But a lot of those. You know, seltzers and stuff, they just use, like, some crummy grain alcohol. See, I'm typically not a I want a tequila drink person, but I could do another one of these sometime. Doubtful I'll have another one tonight, but... Yeah. No, probably not. Probably not. Because <laughs> it, I'm going to say it's pretty strong. Yeah. And I, drank it, and I drank it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah you did. It was pretty flavorful. It's nice. Yeah, see, that's why I'm just slowly sipping mine. Yeah. On a show where you're going to have to do uh, even more talking than normal. Maybe. Maybe maybe not. Why is that? Because this whole show is a promo. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the show is a promo. You know, spoiler alert, guys, but there's some things that happen here. It's not the return of Doink. So something that would happen right around the same time as this episode of Raw, Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart would be halfway through its 11-week run at number one atop the Billboard charts. Song was inescapable. Inescapable. Didn't realize that it got it, that that it was that big. It, you know, yeah. I wasn't following the Billboard charts as oh, a yeah. child, but uh, she unbroke my heart because what a babe, and also a great song. I think I'm trying to think of who she knocked off the chart. I want to say it was like. Savage. Maybe it was Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. I think I believe it was because like, we talked we talked about the last one. I can't remember. It's a R&B, uh, yeah, R&B's on a hot run. Yes. Yeah, 1996-97 was some some good music, R&B-wise. I don't it even... was some good music for, like, that's when a lot of the women in music were really 
Be, showing that, is that this your is little fair <laughs> runs. Yeah, Lilith Fair kicked in around then. Their McLaughlin should be coming into the forefront here very soon. Jewel? Jewel, yes. I'm just guessing. I think Jewel was already there in 96. It was no diggity. We no did talk about Oh, yeah, we did talk no diggity. Yeah, but I don't know if I know any other Tony Braxton songs, but this song is an earworm. Uh, will pop in my head randomly, and I can't remember the last time I've got it. She actually had a number one baby, song baby, in 96. I get so hot. You're making me high and let it flow. Let it flow, yeah. Yeah, Tony Braxton, she had a, a good couple of years there, and it sucks because with as big of a star as she was and the amount of Grammys that she won, she was filing for bankruptcy within just like a year. Because oh, some manager She had stuff. the top album and won all this shit and wasn't getting paid accordingly for yeah. it. That's sad to hear. Well, you know. And now she just does reality TV. Mm, bummer. It's, it's a bummer for her. We can't even get her on... Celebrity Big Brother. We had to get the sister. Jesus. Old Tamar. Well, you know. Don't miss her on my TV. Blast the unbreaker. But I do miss Tony on my radio. She needs to come out with some more shit. I heard recently she had like a more recent album, and I heard the there was a a couple of a couple of banging tracks on there. It's all secondhand. I haven't uh, done the homework, but I have done the homework. On Monday Night Raw from January 20th, 1997. <laughs> we get the WWF logo before still photo highlights of the Rumble from the previous night shown. Where we see Heartbreak Kid defeating Sid to win the world title. Austin being eliminated, but coming back in to eliminate Bret Hart. And we get our opening video package before Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show. Along with Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross. And Vince tells us that Psycho Sid has a concussion and will not be here tonight. He got hit in the head with a camera. Which he technically got hit in the... Like chest. Back. The chest in the back. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, hey, Jose you know. got hit in the head with a, a camera and it made him have a heart attack. So I guess if you get hit in the chest, it'll give you a concussion. There you go. <laughs> so Hitman makes his way to the ring and he takes a mic. Because he has something to say, and something to say to McMahon. Mm-hmm. Brett continues that when he agreed to come back, that he would have the chance to wrestle for the title. They then put him in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin in order to become the number one contender. And he beat him. So when he had his match for the belt, Shawn Michaels just so happened to be at the ringside and ended up costing the title. So Hart says he won the Rumble and deserves the title shot and wants to know where his opportunity is as he's now been screwed by the Heartbreak Kid, Austin, the WWF, and by Vince McMahon. Don't piss on my shoes and tell me it's raining. And Vince just walks off as the hitman says he doesn't like making idle threats. Yeah, he walks, Vince just walks Calmly down the walkway to the back. Well, he just leaves. Like, they were doing their opening promo stuff, and, like, Brett starts yelling at him, and so he, like, literally just kind of walks off to where the announce table is. Like, okay, dude, whatever. And Hitman says he doesn't like making idle threats, but the way he sees things, he's not going to get his opportunity. And he quits. Yep. Hart drops the mic, 
and leaves through the crowd with McMahon just kind of staring at him as he walks away, not even trying to stop him. Yeah, and like, yeah, the crowd immediately starts chanting, We, we want Brett. Brett. Yeah. Brett's not a all-time promo guy. This is an all-time Brett promo. I just He's laughed. Fi- I laughed as it was happening because I quit. And I'm going to crawl over this railing here and walk through the crowd instead of going to the back and getting my shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand the visual like, of that him being like, leave through the front door because I don't work here anymore. So, fuck you. But Stone Cold then comes out. Uh-huh. And he grabs a mic. But it doesn't work at first. He's John, but the mic is off. So when they finally hand him a good one, he yells out, Ever since you came back, you've done nothing but cry. And that Brett needs to quit whining. Before complaining about being jerked around by management as well. Austin then calls out the Undertaker as Vince heads to the back while we head to break. And when we come back, we go to our first match. Phil LaFon and Doug Furness versus Owen Hart and British Bulldog. Hello, boys. With Clarence Mason. And JR shows us some still photos from the Rumble where Owen accidentally eliminated Davy Boy. And we see LaFon and Hart start us off with Phil taking Owen down with an arm drag and into a wrist lock, only for Hart to counter into one of his own, followed by LaFon delivering a fireman's carry. Phil starts running the ropes, but he's taken down with a drop toe hold. But LaFon recovers to roll up Owen for a two count before a hook kick and tag out to Furnace. LaFon is smooth as hell. <laughs> Doug charges in with shoulder tackles on both of the champions before nailing a drop kick to Hart for a near fall, followed by an overhead belly-to-belly suplex for a two count. Oops. Owen retaliates with a spinning heel kick before making a tag so that Bulldog can hammer away on Furnace until Doug surprises him with a hurricanrana for a near fall. I mean, you gotta be a, a big, strong boy to Hurricane Rana, the Bulldog. Yeah. Davy Boy rolls out to regroup with Mason, checking on his client. While LaFon tags in, only to be cornered by Bulldog, ramming his shoulder into the midsection, followed by Hart doing some choking. And Davy Boy continues the punishment with some forearms until Phil can recover to nail a jawbreaker and apply a leg lock. LaFon brings Doug back for some double teams, but a blind tag by Owen allows him to fly in with a missile dropkick for a two count as we go to a commercial for the encore of the Rumble. It is nice that, like, as a kid, I always remember the still shots after a pay per view because I never got the pay per views. And they do show some actual moving footage uh, throughout this show. It's like, that's nice. That's a nice thing to do because I was always. So jealous of and annoyed by this still, still shots. Yep. Same. And here in '97, they were, you know, obviously doing less business than they were when I was watching. But like, it's just nice to see a little bit of movement. Yep. I'm not looking for the whole match, guys. Come on. No. If I wanted a still shot, I'd go buy little trading cards or something. <laughs> yeah. Back to the action. Hart goes for a sharpshooter, only to be kicked away by Furness, who starts to crawl. But Owen stops him from being able to make a tag. Doug then ducks a double-team clothesline, coming off the ropes with one of his own, 
allowing him to make the crawl to the corner for the no heart stops him once again. Cut off. Lafon jumps in the ring, but this allows the champs to continue the double team on Furnace as the ref works to remove Phil from the ring. Owen goes for a clothesline, only for Doug to duck and come off the ropes with a crossbody this time for a two count. But Hart retaliates with a kick to the head that gets a near fall. Bulldog comes in to deliver a delayed vertical suplex for a two count, followed by a heart sleeper, only for Furnace to elbow his way out of the hold, but Owen connects with an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Did you guys hear this one? JR informs us that they'll be at the Oklahoma City Myriad this Thursday. House show, baby. Mm-hmm. Not the house show I went to, but a house show. Hmm. I wonder what, I'll have to look that up, uh-huh. see if it shows the card for... Who happened to be here that day? I'm sure I'm sure it's out there. Hart then heads up top for a flying headbutt. But Doug moves in time. Makes the crawl to the corner for the hot tag. Lafon with a clothesline and hip toss to Davy Boy. Slingshots Owen into the ring from the apron, followed by a spinning heel kick, before returning to Bulldog with a snap suplex and a Centon splash. For a near fall. Man, what a uh, hot tag combo. It is not the uh, clothesline, the myriad of clotheslines that you normally get. This one is a little more creative. Phil hits another snap suplex for a two count, followed by a leaping DDT on Bulldog, making the cover only for Hart to break it up. Furnace then runs in with a shoulder block that sends Owen out to the floor, while LaFawn's whip is reversed allowing Hart to trip him up from the apron, followed by a Slammy Award to the face. They, they even telegraphed it earlier in the match when they had Slammy Cam from the corner. Did you guys catch this? JR refers to that, like, beeping DDT as a, an aardvark takedown. And I, I almost shit my pants and laughed when I said it, because I'd never heard that before. And I don't know if it's a real thing or if he was just playing off the dome, but aardvark takedown... Anytime we see a leaping DDT. Like, do we catch an aardvark and just, like, DDT it? I don't even know the difference between, like, an aardvark and an armadillo. Mm-hmm. Anteater. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Anteaters are wild looking. Davy Boy then nails the running power slam. For the pin. And, and the win. win. Thank you, Slammy. Power Slammy. <laughs> Jared then sends us to a video of Sean's entrance from the Rumble. Sure. I mean, at least it's visual. And that's pretty, like, you know, if you didn't get the pay-per-view, we talked about how the crowd was probably not all hardcore WWF fans, but it is an impressive visual. So we go to our second match. Farouk with the Nation of Domination versus Bart Gunn. And Ross now shows us video of Ahmed Johnson delivering the Pearl River Plunge to a Nation of Domination flunky through a table. One of the best spots of the whole show, and they give us the whole clip. But it's not part of a match. It's not. That's the thing. None of the video is actually part of a match. No. It's just... That's true. No spoilers. Extra stuff. But, you know, it's still something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can actually feel the energy of the crowd instead of just, here's this random picture with a girl holding a sign. Yeah. So Farouk gets taken down with a hip toss and a drop kick before Gunn works the arm as we go to commercial. 
Now back to the action. Farouk is in control with kicks before nailing a spine buster and chokes on the ropes. Followed by the nation getting involved as well from the floor. Bart is taken to the mat by a chin lock with leverage until the ref catches him. So Farouk whips gun to the ropes, only to telegraph a back body drop, allowing Bart to kick him away out of desperation. Gunn then misses an elbow drop, so Farouk goes back to wearing him down with a chin lock, before delivering a body slam and heading up top for a flying shoulder tackle, only for Bart to sidestep it. Gunn hits a back elbow, multiple clotheslines, and a running bulldog. He makes the cover, only for the nation to put Farouk's boot on the ropes. Bart drops down to the floor to go after the flunkies when Farouk would leap off the apron with an axe handle to the back. Gunn is rolled back in, followed by Farouk nailing the Dominator for the pin and the win. It was nice to see Bart get some, uh, you know, good offense because he was going to get fucked, so I might as well let him show off a little. Wasn't a full squash. Yep. So Vince McMahon and President Gorilla Monsoon make their way to the ring. For a major announcement. Commercial break. <laughs> and we return to them in the ring, where the president says that he cannot change the fact that Austin won the Royal Rumble. However, he will not be entitled to a world title shot at WrestleMania 13. I was so ready for Sean and Austin. Right? I mean, you know. No. He foe. cheated. He's, you know, he can't overturn things. But he can finish the story. Try to make it right. Story ever ended. <laughs> so Gorilla continues that he wants to make a match where Undertaker, Vader, Bret Hart, and Steve Austin will all be involved in a four-way no-DQ match where the winner will face the world champion at WrestleMania 13. Rude. And the reason it was these four... It makes so much sense. ...is because they were the three men that were illegally eliminated by Stone Cold. That's why Diesel isn't put in the match, because Brett eliminated him. Yeah, it was legal, yeah. But Brett eliminated Austin. But Austin came in illegally illegally and got the win. He can't take the win. I mean, he can't take the win, but Austin was eliminated... Seen or unseen before Diesel was. We're doing simple division here. I mean, the real reason is because they just didn't want Diesel in the match, but come on. I'm trying to give you logic here. Come on, Diesel. Five-way match? I don't even want a four-way match, but at least it's four stars. Austin then comes storming down to the ring and reminds Monsoon that Brett quit before asking if there is an instant replay rule in the WWF. No, that's why he decided to do this, because it's within his power. Stone Cold continues that he shouldn't be in the match, but when he's done with them, he'll toss Gorilla around, rolling out of the ring to get McMahon in the president's face. You call yourself a gorilla, but you hee-haw out here like a jackass? (laughs) All time, Stone Cold line, my God. Maybe his best so far. Awesome. And all of a sudden, Hart is seen making his way back to ringside, entering the ring and grabbing a mic to accept his invitation to the match. And the hitman says that we don't need to wait and goes out to brawl with Austin in the aisleway, throwing him into the still steps 
bringing officials and security out as we go to commercial. Steel Steps having wonderful two nights of wrestling. The other one was, uh, yeah, he said I threw 29 pieces of trash out of the ring. And it's, yeah, I mean, he said it, he said some uh, trash stuff in his promo the night before, but uh, so funny how to see the vernacular come in, it like keeps getting used, calls everybody trash from here to like 2002. And the commercial we see is Freddie Blassie asking a kid what he's, what he's got as a CD goes into a player. Yeah. We then see the kid dressed up as different superstars Shawn while Michaels. their theme music plays. The Undertaker. Bret Hart. And then the kid dressed as Goldust. <laughs> Fucking weird. <laughs> Why? I guess it was weird. Well, you know. <laughs> it was just kind of weird. But, you know, those are some of the, some of the better songs that are happening right now. We get them on WWF Full Metal, the album, it's now hard. on sale. I love at that it's Kmart. The Kmart was really nice. I love how it's called Full Metal, but like none of these songs are like heavy or even have like really prominent like guitar Rats stuff. Is the closest, it is. Metal, yeah, guess, and it's like yeah. But I don't know what else is on there. But it's got like more like Van Halen like squeals. But then you get on to like the Green album that I had. I don't remember what volume it was. Where it's like. Oh, the fucking Vince McMahon song is more metal. Stone Cold song, the um, Degeneration song, where it's like you know big heavy guitar stuff. So it's just funny they called it Are full you metal. Ready? Yeah. So back in the arena, Hart still hasn't been removed from ringside when the Dead Man arrives for his match, and Taker starts throwing right hands at Brett. So they start brawling. Until Stone Cold rolls out of the ring to attack Undertaker from behind. Austin is thrown into some ring steps and is stalked around ringside before they roll into the ring for our third match. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Undertaker. I mean, this this should be on pay-per-view. And Stone Cold stomps away before telegraphing a back body drop, allowing the dead man to throw Austin to the mat and nail old school. Taker continues with chokes and uppercuts that has Stone Cold asking for a timeout that he's not going to get. Yeah, it is funny to see Stone Cold uh, pull some some Ric Flair. Undertaker then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Austin to connect with a swinging neckbreaker and a back elbow for a two count. Stone Cold's choking the dead man on the ropes and hitting some turnbuckle smashes before delivering a second rope double axe handle for a near fall. And Lawler has left the announce table so that he can yell at Austin to go after Taker's ribs as they were hurt the night before by Vader. And Undertaker hits a mule kick down low to slow the momentum, but when he goes to pick up Stone Cold, Austin connects with a stunner that lays both men out as we go to the back where we see Vader and the Hitman being kept apart by security officials and other wrestlers. Tensions are high. Before going to another commercial of the Rumble Encore. Also, shout out to Freddie Blassie getting paid from a chair in that commercial. Classy. So many people that are watching this probably had no at the time had no clue who he was. Mm-hmm. It was just nice to see him because, I mean, we covered this show starting with the first pay-per-view in 1983, and there's not a whole lot of Freddie Blassie that we've covered. So, you know, it's just kind of nice to see him get a little, little commercial paycheck. 
back to the action and Stone Cold with several forearm drops when we're shown both men hitting clotheslines for a double KO during the break. A a double-double KOs? Those sack plus a stunner and then the double uh, clothesline. It is really nice to see, I said it uh, last week, but Undertaker be a little more human. Because Undertaker before would have never done like a nut shot. Mm -hmm. That's not how he's, yeah, he was a fucking zombie man. And now there's some, uh, he's got a lust for life. Things that happen after you've been buried alive. You're gonna come back, you gotta do it better. Austin heads up top, only for the dead man to kick the ropes, causing Stone Cold to crotch himself. He then goes for a superplex, but Austin just shoves Taker off to the mat, allowing Stone Cold to come off with another forearm drop for a two count. But the Undertaker sits up quickly, so Austin goes for a clothesline, only for the dead man to avoid and nail a leaping clothesline. All of a sudden, Vader comes running down to the ring, and he tries to attack Taker, causing a disqualification, only to be chokeslammed by Undertaker. Post-match, Stone Cold hammers away on the dead man, while the hitman runs down for all four men to brawl in the ring. And Austin looks to escape down the aisle, only for Brett to just drag him back to ringside to throw him into the ring steps once more while Taker delivers a back suplex to the Mastodon. And Hart and Stone Cold continue to brawl as Vince says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. One of these men will go to WrestleMania. Man, you know, we want to see it. We want to see it. They did the right thing. I guess a few of them are going to I mean, I feel like all of them, all of them are going to be on WrestleMania. But for he Only means... one of them will be in the big match. That's what he meant when he said it. We all know that Undertaker's gonna have a WrestleMania match, that Bret Hart, Stone Cold, and Vader yeah. will have WrestleMania matches. The only one I would think that might not is if Vader gets leaves the company before then. Because I know he doesn't make his way to the Attitude Era in a significant way. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Monday Night Raw from January 20th, 1997? Have at it, Mikey. All right. Great promos. Great tag team match. They're setting up angles. Like, even by the time I got to, like, back from commercial break from Farouk and Bart Gunn, kind of forgot that it happened. But I was happy to see Bart Gunn get in some good offense, considering that he was going to lose to a heel cheating so it's like he wasn't he wasn't buried and he got you know 60 percent of the offense or whatever which was which was nice but the promos are some of the best bret hart promos we've seen stone cold out here uh feeling himself even more vince um being called out from multiple wrestlers and then pulls gorilla out and there's kind of a vibe maybe i don't know if this is intended that he went and found Gorilla, told Gorilla to come out, but told Gorilla what to say, which they don't really pay, they don't like tease that a whole lot, but I feel like that is the like subcontext of yeah. the situation. And then, you know, the outside of Shawn Michaels, like the four biggest 
stars selling a four-way match. Two big guys, two less big guys, two monsters, two ring technicians. Who doesn't want to see that? Yes. Uh, kind of along those same lines there. It was a very story-telling show, laying the groundwork for WrestleMania in the uh, the coming weeks. Lots of building, lots of just, I don't know, it's fun. When you kick off a, a show with uh, LaFon and Furnace against the Bulldog and Owen, we've, we've seen both teams have excellent matches with each other and with other people, so you know you're off to a hot start when that's your opening show. And the match went for a long time to the point where I thought that maybe Furnace and LaFon could beat Bulldog and Owen, especially considering the tease of I literally Owen thought they were going to win since yeah. the belts weren't on the line. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the belts on the I was like, are the belts on the line? Are they not going to? Are they, like, yeah, it's like, they're not on the line. It's like, well, then they can win, and then we have a great tag match for the next in your house or whatever. Yeah. But really, really great tag match, especially for WWF, who has I mean, not it's, valued tag wrestling for a while. Add five more minutes, put the belts on the line, and you have a pay-per-view quality match. Yeah, yeah no, it was really, really that good. And we have a, another entry on our short list. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. Like, give this five minutes and a finish. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't even matter who wins. Yeah, there's, there's just a, a lot of seeds being planted on this show of things that are coming in the... You know, the near future, things that are going to be happening a year and a half down the line. I mean, you've got Undertaker and, and Austin in a you know quickly thrown together match that it, it didn't really... Because Austin was technically supposed to face Sid Vicious on the show. Yeah. But with him being out with a concussion, they were like, well, you get to face the other big man of WWF. Yeah, and Sid... they long hiding somewhere in the back. Yeah, and like, Sid <laughs> had been getting over and Sid was doing great, but I noticed... On the Royal Rumble, Sid coming out with a little bit of job face on. And I would have loved to see Sid hold that a little longer, but this was a San Antonio show. It is what it is. Sid probably could have gotten more cheers if he was in, if they were in New York, if they were in like a, if they were, you know, if they were up north, Sid may have been more over than Sean. But that wasn't the case. So, whatever. Yep. I know that Shawn Michaels is the better wrestler. And the better talent, but I've been vibing on some Sid lately. That's what I, mean, I got. We're all in agreement. This is a forty-five very minutes. fun and watchable forty-five minutes. Yeah. Like it flies by. I would. Like, yeah. You, you don't even realize that it's over. Honestly, like if the Rumble '97 on paper doesn't look particularly interesting to you, watch Vader and Taker. Watch the Rumble match, and then put this on afterwards. It'll be shorter than watching all of the Rumble, and you will have just as enjoyable of a time. Does that seem kind of fair? Plus, you get to see Taker and Austin like have it, it, it's a there's no finish, but their interactions are like really nice and exciting because we haven't seen these guys against each other, and they are they got their working boots on, and. They yeah. both just, you know, they both had their working boots on the night before. Like, after years of watching them wrestle each other, you know, battle after battle after battle, it's it's fun to go back and see something this fresh with the two of them yeah. squaring like, off for the first time, really. I mean, they seem excited about it, which is the 
kind of the fun part about anybody's first run is like it's like that they have something to prove like they don't once everybody tells you that you're good and you believe it you might not put in as much work and then you're striving off of personality and like past fame and you're maintaining it but here uh they're still building and taker's been around for a long time but he's establishing a slightly different character Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? Brett, Brett promo, Austin promo. I mean, this whole thing's yeah. good. Honestly, VIP of the show. Whenever we're gonna given the VIP to an inanimate object. Stairs. Ring steps. Yeah. Ring steps. But in two nights, the ring steps did more for wrestling than they ever had before. <laughs> We're at best moments, not best performer. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, all those, all those uh, performances that the steps made, <laughs> or the, the steps your, did, were performance. Your, your uh, gorilla hee-haw jackass. That was good. Comment. Yeah, twenty-nine pieces. I threw twenty-nine pieces of trash out of the ring. It's like you're calling these guys trash. That was. David Boy Smith, Invader, and The Undertaker. Like, he didn't, like, I don't think he threw any of, like, the Mexican guys out of the ring. He threw out... The, like, Mexican, the Mexican guys did their own little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, Vince, uh, not Vince, man, Stone Cold Steve Austin threw out prominent names for the most part. Yeah. People that have been there longer than him. Ten of them. Yeah, ten, ten of them. And it seemed like more. And then just asked for more. But, yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, an incredible two nights for him and uh, a great two nights for Brett character-wise because we didn't get to see Brett have a Brett match but we got to see Brett fire up for the first time in a long time and one of the more believable times it's like when he said I quit the fans believed him Brett Hart's were like you know what I work hard, excellence execution, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do my best, and you know, I really think I can win. It's like, how interesting is that for so long? Let him, let him, let him, let's pour a little bit of salt in his wound. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he definitely made good on the promo that was volleyed up to him, which he, we wouldn't necessarily expect, because he's not... He's a good talker, but he's not a great talker. How about most disappointing? Sean won the title last night and then didn't show up. He has the flu. He's not involved in this. You can win the title with the flu, but you can't show up and just say, Hi, I'm your champ. I guess. He may have, because this is like a 45-minute show, and there was probably some stuff on there. He might have had like a match on the show. Like, it's you know, dark matches or post-matches. Nobody went to see a 45-minute wrestling show I mean they usually take a couple of them yeah back to back at so, this point yeah. so yeah like I'm sure he was probably there but he really didn't have everything that happened on the show didn't really have anything to do with Shawn Michaels it had a lot to do with Shawn Michaels because they're fighting for the number one contender spot yeah but like as far as the like feud of it Brett's already yeah. blamed him for everything he's gone through yeah, he yeah he blamed him, but it's like, <laughs> what is Sean gonna do? It's like the people that are gonna put the matches on are the ones that he's he's mad at. He can be mad at Sean for being a dickhead, but Sean doesn't 
Jean doesn't write the doesn't. Well, that's uh, you have to kind of chug yeah. down and say, I don't care which one of you it is. I'm the champion. I'm going to kick all your asses. Yeah. I don't hate the idea, but it seems like that might be a little overbooked. And this is like the right amount of stuff for 45 I mean, minutes. Technically, Taker and Vader had no promo time at all. No. So it. They're not. So it immediately feels like, at this moment, I, like if I was watching this, then I go, well. It's obviously going to be Austin or Brett that's going yeah, to win. Yeah, for sure. But there's the... The... Because Undertaker and Vader almost feel like afterthoughts a little bit in the four-way. Yeah. But they're very large and uh, established. So it's one of those things It's like, well, you could... On paper, if you're not... If you're like a 10-year-old kid watching this, you could be like, oh, yeah, I love The Undertaker. I think The Undertaker could win, and it would be believable. But if you're, you know an adult and watching this and thinking about it it's kind of all right in front of you it's like it's either that guy or that guy and either one there's interesting directions to take it how but, about best performer I mean you obviously mentioned the ring steps yeah ring steps I mean I guess it's is it Brett or Austin it's either Brett or Austin <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of Austin because he actually had a little bit of a match with Taker and it was interesting and it was against the taker that's not the wearing gray and sitting up slowly. He's got a little bit of life. You don't get a trophy for quitting Brett, so I'm going to give it to Austin. But, I mean, the runner-up would be Brett for... Brett will always be the runner-up in my heart. Oh, that's, <laughs> that hurts to hear. And how about most surprising? That there was a television tag match that rocked right <laughs> it was so That's good literally what I was thinking too it was so good yeah that again neither of our main eventers from the night before made an appearance for awkward reasons but they would take away from the pushing of the Brett Brett Austin because you know he's always he's, he's taking I mean, over that superstar it seems like a surprising moment but at the same time it's like do we actually think he's quitting? Back then, yeah, we did. I mean, he'd been gone I think for all I, these months. Here's the thing: like, I think if they had dragged it, I think nowadays they would have dragged it out for like a week, and he would have come back the next week. But on this one, obviously, it's literally like on the clock. It's like. 20 minutes later that he like walks back in and he's like okay well he walks back in, in because Austin comes out there and talks mad shit and he's pissed off but where was he hanging out at? his hotel he went to his hotel turned the TV on there was a match in between there and then he just magically the... t- transported back to he drove his car back he was at the while uh... Austin was on the mic mm-hmm. yeah. I have no idea <laughs> you know where yeah the suspension um... of uh, yeah suspension of disbelief <laughs> Most surprising that uh, Bart Gunn got more often got more offense than Farouk. I mean, that's not that surprising, but it was just kind of crazy because it's like, well, Farouk's not. I mean, if anything, I'm surprised that that match didn't end in a DQ. Yeah, that's a good point because it feels like that's pretty much how all Nation of Domination matches are going to pretty much go at this point. Yeah, but you can't have that after the with the the last match because there's three matches here and it's like basically one and like three quarters of a match because of the Bart yeah. Farouk thing and then the Austin Undertaker thing is like you know that one has to end in a DQ you can't do two two in a row 
But you can make Bart Gunn look like a strong baby face for four minutes. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. After Ric Flair had vacated the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, the NWA put it up for grabs during the G1 Climax in 1992, with Masahiro Chono becoming the newest champion. Masahiro would make his way to Fantastic Story in Tokyo Dome on January 4th, 1993, to face the reigning IWGP heavyweight champion, Great Muda, for a title versus title match. The two men would go back and forth when Muda would take the fight outside of the ring to use guardrails and running lariats on the long ramp followed by multiple suplexes back inside the ring. The Great Muda would hit his handspring back elbow and go for a moonsault, but Chono would move in time and lock on the STF until Muda could crawl his way to the ropes. Masahiro continues with a Yakuza kick, a flying shoulder block, and a power bomb for a near fall, but the Great Muda would recover to go for another moonsault, with Chono getting his knees up this time followed by going for another flying shoulder block, which Muda would avoid. Masahiro would be taken down by a backbreaker, allowing the great Muda to finally hit a pair of moonsaults for the pin. Beginning Muda's first reign as NWA World's heavyweight champion, he would then head to the United States to meet a challenger from WCW the very next month. 92, putting the title on Muda. Pretty wild. And he was basically fresh off of excursion. Next week, NWO sold out 1997. I didn't know this was coming and I'm sad. I don't know if it's, it might be a great show. Maybe I'll love it. But it's not WCW. It's NWO sold yeah. out. <sighs> Granted, NWO really pulled it out with uh, Starcade 96, which we kind of said in our recent memory, the most enjoyable we've, time we've had with a Starcade from front to beginning. So maybe the NWO is going to be a little bit smarter about the way they put on matches because we had a great tag match. Hogan laid down. Uh, so maybe they realize that they can't just like cheat and win the whole time because it's going to get old quickly. But what do I know? I've never or... seen the show. Or maybe they do the opposite, and we. I, Nick me, Patrick's the only ref, and I cry the whole night. Maybe it's the worst show we've ever watched. Looking at you, Bunkhouse Stampede. But sold out. Also, the maybe, maybe the worst title of a pay per view. I mean, that's still Bunkhouse Stampede. I think the title Bunkhouse Stampede sounds kind of cool for the time period. It's like, oh, you know, this is Southern wrestling. And it's not finest. And it's not finest, that's for sure. So music from this week's show is Monday Night Raw from Jim Johnston. And Undertaker technically won our main event. So we're going to play Graveyard Symphony Version 2 by Jim Johnston. And if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Come on, guys. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
We are going to Iowa. Yeah, supposedly Iowa. that's a, Yeah, I heard that's a state. I've heard that too. I want to say I used to live right next door to it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Cedar Rapids. <laughs> I've only eaten like once or twice in Iowa, so if you know what foods I should acquire from Iowa, uh, or beverages, or I don't know, anything, tell me what I should make for NWO Sold Out. Slide into our DMs, give us a shout out on the, uh, the old X. NWO show already. Yeah, I don't Weird. know if it was Iowa or Indiana, but on cruise in the USA, you could go from like third person view to like inside the car. I don't remember. It's an an eye thing. It was either Iowa or Indiana. You like are driving in the highway, but that was the level where um, if you were first person in the car, your windshield would just get splattered with bugs. Mm-hmm. So that, sounds right. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, that's my that's. The most famous thing out of Iowa I can think of. I grew up in Nebraska, so there's there's plenty of bugs there. Yeah. Nebraska is one of those glorious places, and I want to say Iowa is similar, where you cross the state line and it's like instantly a combined smell of pig shit and cow shit. Mmm. Yeah. They always talk about how flat Oklahoma is, but I'm pretty sure Nebraska is flat. Oh yeah. I've driven there. We've we've got hills and mountains and whatnot in yeah. Oklahoma compared to Nebraska. Oh, yeah, compared. I was going to say in Nebraska. But anyway, you know. But you can do any of those things to our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on X at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling. H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. It's a pretty good take. <laughs>